Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I am back and so excited for episode 186, oh my god, of my Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. And I am calling out the full name and title of my podcast because dun dun dun, I have some cool news. Um, I'm launching a new podcast. I've mentioned this before. Well, it's real. It's actually up. It's live. It launched. So it has that for anticlimactic. <laughs> this is the announcement. It's called She Runs It. It's the She Runs It podcast, and it is co-hosted by me and the new owner of Skirt Sports, Sarah Ratzliff. How cool. You know, Sarah, many of you have gotten to know her through the interview I did with her on Run This World, but also just through the amazing baton exchange that we did after 16, almost 16 years of running the ship, leading the ship, steering the ship at Skirt Sports. I couldn't think of someone who is a better fit for me to riff with on, on a podcast. Uh, we try to go short form in the She Runs It podcast, but uh, so far we have been unsuccessful at doing a show that's less than roughly 45 minutes, so we'll keep trying for you. But you know Run This World is the place you go for the long form, deep dives into people's lives, backgrounds, and histories to really hear how they tick. So on She Runs It, Sarah and I cover all kinds of cool topics. We uh, have a few episodes up right now. We're going to launch them weekly. We'll try to launch them weekly. We're busy freaking women, right? Um, and we will occasionally also have guests on the show to talk about various specific topics relating to active women. And the truth is, we're going to have topics on here that really transcend sports and active women's lives and just sort of cover women's lives. So be sure to tune in. The podcast is now available on all the channels. You can also find it on NicoleDeBoom.com. I'm really, really, really excited because while I am in this place of life transition, I spent many, many, many years waking up and knowing exactly what I needed to do that day, right? And I got paid to do <laughs> the things that I exactly needed to do each day when I was the CEO and founder of Skirt Sports. I'll never actually not be the founder of Skirt Sports, but when I was the CEO. And I have found myself in this really interesting place. After going through the process of letting go of something very special to me, I have found myself in what I call the in-between. It's the place of not knowing, not knowing what's coming next, <laughs> and continuing to process and wrap up the emotions of what the hell just happened, right? But it's been a few months now, and you know I am feeling the seeds of desire to have a little more career purpose in the morning. 
I mean, right now I literally wake up and I'm like, what do you want for breakfast, Wilder? And, you know, kind of just like get into the day, you know, and then, and then the day will take shape. But I'm not sure if I was meant to operate that way. I guess time will tell if I ever find the next thing. But what's really cool about today's episode is that it is with a woman who worked with me, side by side with me, for over 15 years. Her name is Sarah Vernon Bruner. For many years, I knew her as Sarah Vernon. And this is what's so special about when you get the opportunity to have a project, I'm just going to call skirt sports a project, to have a project that you do with someone for so many years, you get to experience their growth alongside yours. So at some point, she got married. She added the Bruner. At some point, she had a kid. Then she had another kid. I got to watch this incredible woman pump at business meetings. <laughs> we don't even talk about that in the episode. I mean, it was literally the, uh, 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 you know, the sound if you have ever pumped or you've heard somebody doing it. Um, and when, you know, I got to watch Sarah Vernon grow from a woman who is one year out of college, a former uh, volleyball, collegiate volleyball player who is so passionate about women and women's sports and women's empowerment. I got to watch her grow from basically running our warehouse to doing every single job at Skirt Sports. And finally, in the last five years or so, she was simply given the title she should have had all along, which was president. Sarah, thank you for everything. This conversation is as much an ode to you as it is a walk down memory lane for me. I really love you. You are such an incredible person. My life is better because of you. How many of you can say that about someone in your life? Your life is better because of them. Well, that's how I feel about Sarah. Uh, her, her nugget at the end is simple and sweet. You're going to have to listen to the whole thing to hear it. So boom. And you know what? Those of you who were with us at, with this skirt project we were doing for almost 16 years, uh, we mention a lot of you. <laughs> and, uh, and afterwards, Sarah s- sent me a note and was like, Nicole, I feel bad because I think we miss some people. Like those wonderful, amazing ambassadors and women who worked at the store with us or um, some employees who sort of came and went in passing and we didn't hit on every single person we worked with. So if we missed you, I want you to know that you are loved and appreciated. And I am so sorry. (laughs) It's a long one as it stands. Um, So I just want to say today, as you listen, I hope that you'll get something out of this. And if nothing else, you are doing me the great honor of allowing me one more step towards closure in this amazing project of Skirt Sports. And remember, on the flip side, as one door closes, a new door opens. So make sure you also check out the She Runs It podcast and subscribe to it as well. All right, then, on that note, it is time to bring the amazing Sarah Vernon Bruner on the show. You should say that again, Sarah, on the record. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's very nice to see your smiling face because I don't get to see it every day anymore. You too, Sarah. I'm sure you miss me so much for the 15 plus years of joy and pain that I brought to you. <laughs> Hey, you can't have joy without pain. It's all <laughs> actually that's really true. It is. is that true? Or you don't appreciate it without the pain you've been through. So, you know. Oh my God. So are you in appreciation mode right now? Like now that you're out of skirt and the roller coaster that was skirt sports, you know, as we knew it, and you're into the new chapter, is it all joyful and appreciation? I mean, I'm still, I mean, there is so much joy there. I'm still processing everything I think that happened and uh it's not all joy <laughs> but um but yes I'm very but regardless of the joy or the pain a super appreciative of everything and had you have asked me if I would have stayed at skirt sports for 15 almost 15 years like I no way or you know you don't know that when you launch into something and so um, I was very fortunate in that regard, definitely, to come upon such a great company and a great leader, and I was very lucky. You know, I feel like, I, I honestly feel like I know you better than almost anyone in the world <laughs> because of all yeah. the all the deep, like dark and fun and exciting work that we did together over yeah. all these years. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like it might be fun to just start the interview by talking about how we came together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I have well, my story, which you've heard me tell a million times, but I actually want to hear your story. How did this, <laughs> you were what, 22? Yeah, I think. It was like your second job out of college, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so share, yeah. share. Well, so I was, um, I'm from Colorado, but I was living in Washington, D.C. after college, and I just really wanted to go there. I spent some time there in college, and but I was working in this job that was very slow-paced and wasn't as business-oriented as I would have liked, and, um, and so I started looking for other opportunities, and I found womensportsjobs.com. Isn't that hilarious? Like, I don't know, it's not even around anymore. Um, and, and I found you had posted for like inventory manager, you know, some kind of random position. And I started investigating skirt sports and as I was a volleyball player. So I always wore spandex, which is just like gross. You're just walking around in spandex all the time. And so I immediately related to the product and how, you know, you want to cover your butt and you like just making you feel good. And so immediately I was like, oh my God, this is genius. And then I remember talking to you on the phone and then I came for um, an interview. And that's where I think you have a funny story of like, I show up in my nice business clothes because, you know, it was an interview and, but it's like in this you know, gross warehouse, which was awesome. Totally beginning of skirt <laughs> sports. <laughs> and I'm like in my nice business clothes, schlepping boxes and, um, you know, just whatever came my way that day. And, um, yeah, and fell in love right away. And then the rest is history. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is 
like I recall you showing up and I'm like, huh, she's dressed really nice. But what we really need to do is move some things around today. And she's really tall and she looks strong. <laughs> and literally like in your interview, we had you moving inventory around the slummy warehouse. Oh yes. my God. Oh my God. And I knew, well, we had another um, woman that we had hired for something, I don't know, marketing, and she went to high yes, school with you. That's right. And yes. I remember, I don't even know why we were listed on women's sportsjobs.com, but that thing should still exist because that's awesome. I know, I know. And uh, I remember asking Katie, her name was Katie, and about you. And she said, I think her answer was something like, I wasn't super great friends with Sarah in high school, but if there is one person that I wish I had gotten to know better and become friends with, it was Sarah Vernon. And I was like, bam, that says a lot. <laughs> so no, and same for her. Yeah. Needless to yeah. say, you were hired on the spot. <laughs> um, and that's what's so funny about you know, our long ride at skirt sports is that you literally did like every job at skirt sports and probably learned what to do and what not to do in each role along the way as well. I mean, it got to the point where I forgot all the jobs you did. Like I actually (laughs) forgot that you were like our head of sales, like two years. I think it might've been like around when I had a baby and, and then I just forgot everything that happened before then. But (laughs) well, it's a lot a long period of time. So I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but what ends up happening, you know, when you join a company early and you stay with it for that long, is that you do become kind of a generalist that can or or can't, you know, hurt you later on when you're in a a job search during a pandemic and and a recession. (laughs) But um, of all those jobs you did at Skirt, do you have any? like strong memories of, I don't know how, how, how good a fit the different roles were for you or how you grew throughout, you know, each position you segued to. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I think I just naturally evolved into different roles and part of it was like my evolution, but part was where the company needed me to go or what areas were we needed extra help or, um, And, you know, I'm an operations finance, like oriented person. So I think that's how I found, I started kind of in that way and then found my way back. But yeah, like doing the sales manager role, um, it was such a good learning experience, even though it wasn't necessarily my um, forte, but it helped, I think, get us into the point of when we needed to hire a very successful salesperson, which we then did. And, um, you know, take us to that next level. We weren't quite there yet, but then we got to the point where we were and, you know, it's time to get out of that role. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel fortunate in that I really understood the inner workings of the company and, um, you know, part of like, being in a startup is when do you hire certain roles and what level of person are you looking for and the fit. And those were always things we were talking about anytime we were hiring and very challenging along the way, for sure. In each role that we hired. So, I mean, think about all the people we've worked with over 
I know. 15 years. <laughs> I know. I, I, sometimes I can't remember everyone. I'm like, oh yeah, that person. And because it might've been a short stint or I was out of my mind. So if you go back to the really early days, you started in 2006 and yes. I launched the company in 2005. So it was like the first year, pretty much everyone who was on board didn't stay on board. And that's, I think, really common with startups. Like you, yeah. you know, you have these people with great intentions, but then they don't really fit a, a role within an evolving company. They, they're kind of right. like your helpers. And it, it takes a lot, like you learn a lot about relationships because you often have to let them go and they might be close friends or family. You were probably the first of the next guard and the only <laughs> to last <laughs> as long as you did. So, you know, it's, it's um, public knowledge that I've had my own issues throughout, you know, the last 15, 20, my whole life right? We've all had issues. But in those early years when you came on board, I was a very different kind of, um, I was going through some things probably uh, that were fueled a little more by my alcohol and partying lifestyle that were informing my leadership style, right? And I made some decisions and acted in certain ways that I would think would have made you question my ethics. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, did you, what made you want to stay with skirt sports knowing that, you know, I might not be a perfect human, <laughs> if you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, um, th yes, there were a few times I think I questioned certain things, but they weren't monumental business or, you know, I'm talking during your time of going through that stuff. Um, they weren't like monumental business decisions that I thought were going to change the course of the company. I mean, I think they were like, should we really have spent money on this um, <laughs> and stuff like that? But um, yeah, I mean, uh it's interesting. Like, I think part of it was we were in this industry and we were going to these trade shows and like inner bikes, this very, or it was this really crazy show. And sometimes, you know, it was kind of like, well, this is how the industry is. And, you know, I think sometimes I felt like maybe I wasn't that way. So it didn't seem fair that if I wasn't, um, like I felt bad sometimes maybe being who I was because I wasn't into as much of the partying <laughs> and, you know, but it never, you know, things evolved and, um, but, you know, I, there weren't, there wasn't anything really, I think that was monumental that made me want to leave at that point. But, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think like that. I, there really wasn't. <laughs> I think it's like the concept of this is the person who is the leader of this company that you've rearranged your life for. And maybe in the early well, days, like a role model or something in the early days and yeah. like, oh my God, what is she doing? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I think I stayed for the company, not necessarily for you. That was why I 
Um, I mean, I believed so much in skirt sports and the concept, and this was before women's fitness apparel or athleisure, anything like that was really around. So I truly believed that this company could blow up and that it was such a profound concept. And I saw how much people were loyal customers and loved the brand. And, you know, I was really gravitating to that and the difference that I could hopefully make and be a part of on that side of things versus, you know, you, because I don't think you really, you know, maybe you see it as you got in the way, so to say, of the company, but I didn't feel that way. You know, sure, there's some certain things and yes, you were leading the company, but um, I still believed, you know, we were on this path to really, to grow and be a really successful company. And I just believe so much in the brand that, you know, to the very end, that is really what kept me around for so long. You know, and I think that is such a important thing for anybody listening. Who's like, I want to start something or I have an idea or whatever is that if you can create something magical that is not dependent on you, then your chances of success are so much greater, not only because of the people who gravitate to the product or or the service you offer, but because of the team that you're ultimately going to build, because we're all humans, we're all flawed, you know, and in the end, when we create strong relationships with each other, we're going to sort of be there to help each other get through this stuff. But, um, but it's that core essence of the brand. Right. That, that can, that really has a heartbeat, you know, that you want to keep that going strong. Why do you think women were so like head over heels for skirt sports? Maybe yourself included. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's truly just such an authentic brand where women can be themselves and, you know, represent yourself however you want. And it really does cater to all women um, you know, all bodies. And again, that was not something that was very common, you know, it was just kind of starting to happen. And now it's amazing to see all the brands out there and how inclusive they all are. But, um, it really just was something so special and so many women could identify with it. And, um, and, you know, you were just accepted for who you are and, um, and with really great product in the end. So, um, just great product that you could wear all the time for all different activities and whatnot. And so not only did I believe in the brand, but I was like a hardcore customer because, you know, it was all I wanted to wear too. So crazy. <laughs> like, from day one, every person who came to work at skirt sports wore only skirt sports every day for like the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, and I, it wasn't, we didn't mandate it, but it right. was like, oh my God, I have a job where I get to wear cute, comfy workout clothes every day. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We were so lucky. We we're yeah. so lucky. Can you believe that early on, women, there was this whole facet of women who completely embraced the concept, but then there was this whole group of women who fought the concept and who were like mad at us, mad at me for creating it, mad at us for making it live because I don't know. And I I remember thinking like, I felt like a feminist. Like I was out there 
helping women feel great about themselves and empowering women. Right. 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 But then there was this whole group of, I think like feminists uh-huh. who were like, don't tell us we have to look cute. Do you right. remember that whole? Like, Cause you, you have to be a female and wear a skirt. Like you don't have to wear a skirt to be it. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, I know. And they, um, it was sort of like, whoa, we created something way controversial. Yeah. But then what we also realized that in creating something controversial, we got more attention. Yep. So let's talk about um, some of the controversy. <laughs> okay. So how about that race series we started in I 2007? Know. Oh, man. <laughs> that was controversial for so many years. And what was it called? (laughs) (laughs) Skirt chaser. (laughs) I mean, just saying it now, I kind of cringe. Like it is not aligned with today's movement and mission for women. Yeah. Back in like 2007, 2008, you know, 2010, when it was really thriving and we were getting like 1500, almost 2000 runners at our biggest event. That was, that was pretty big. Yeah. Um, Oh, and it, it was, was before the big 5K craze of all the unique types of 5Ks and right. races. And yeah. And we knew like this, this was created when I was still drinking. And so the whole race series was around the idea that the women would start first and get at like a, a three minute head start because it was sort of like a battle of the sexes, too. We were giving a prize purse for whoever crossed the line. And right. the men would chase them. <laughs> and that, like, oh my God, seriously, we create an environment where men are chasing women. But I tried to reframe it and say, well, when do you ever get to toe the line first? There's always a bunch of guys up there. Like, you get to go first. This race is about you. You know, we did what we could, but invariably at every city we turned out and we put on like 30 of these over the years. Yeah. Um, there was a local college newspaper that would constantly (laughs) write up how the skirt chaser was taking the women's rights movement backwards. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Well, it's funny. Like in the beginning where we were very like, don't care, still proud of all this. And, and then like we slowly started to back off on that side of things or like pressing skirt was very edgy in the beginning. And then, like that shirt, don't F with runners um, that we removed. We came out with this shirt, I guess for like a marathon, Boston marathon maybe. And it said, don't F with runners. And then we pulled it off and. But it sold out first. (laughs) Right. But we were very edgy. And then we kind of backed off as we embraced being this all inclusive brand and it just, it, there was such an evolution of skirt sports. I mean, there was because yeah. when we started the word sexy was sort of yes. part of our language. Right. And you know, it wasn't about being sexy for mm-hmm. other people necessarily. It was tapping yes. into what makes you confident and mm-hmm. confidence is sexy. Right? right. Right. And the idea, mm-hmm. this is the other crazy thing. The skirt actually covered more of your body. But people thought of it as more, I don't know, more exhibitionist to wear it. Yeah, right, right. But think about what you wore in volleyball. 
I know you're showing everything off. You yeah. Spanky. You were like yeah. walking around town in a spanky. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> like you walking around in your swimsuit. I mean, it's just, Oh my God. I <laughs> did that a lot. you still did till year 14 of the company, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know. Shameless videos. Um, <laughs> but Sarah, like I think back on like, there's, there's something about momentum. That's a beautiful thing for sure. And from the minute I started in 2005 till you came on board in 2006, probably all the way up to about 2010, we had insane momentum. Yeah. Like we were growing every year a lot, not just like 2% growth or whatever. And if we had a bad year, it was like, there was a reason right? Like one year we were flat. Well, we stopped doing the skirt chaser races. So we didn't have that, you know, 250,000 in revenue or something. We would have been up, you know, it was like, there was always explainable for a while. And when you have that kind of momentum, you know, this ego starts to happen. You get confidence that can be false confidence. And when you don't have the experience in your team or you don't have the right team to, to be helping you look into the crystal ball, it can really crash down hard. Yeah. But what's fun is before we talk about the first crash, (laughs) Skirt had a lot of crashes. I mean, we were a freaking roller coaster. I still called us a startup 16 years in. Didn't you think of it that way? I mean, we acted like one. Right. Right. Um, but in those early momentum years, like what are some of your fondest (laughs) or, you know, memories of things that you're like, there's no way we should have got through that, but we did. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, you know, I just think of, think of it as like funny things that happened to us, nothing super monumental, just because it was such a positive place of like, nothing is too drastic or severe that could bring this thing down. You know what I mean? Like we got a shipment of skirts from Mexico. We were working with the manufacturer in Mexico sewn on backwards. Like the back of the skirt was on the front of the skirt. I mean, this huge shipment and like that could have been devastating. And, you know, we figured it out and, um, how did we figure that one out? Okay. No, we, we have to tell people. So when you're making skirts, the back is longer by like an inch right. and a half or two inches because of the butt bubble. Right. So <laughs> when you sew it backwards, it's kind of like a little long in the front, but then your whole butt is showing. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about like sexy when we were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time we worked in Mexico, isn't it? Yes. After we were, that was a short lift. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was a really special thing about skirt sports and you, you know, everything was very positive and even dealing with hardship was handled in a very positive way because we were just doing our best to get through, you know, okay, well that happened to us getting these skirts. So how do we handle it instead of, you know, making it into something even bigger, um, that, you know, and that I think has been a lesson I've carried with me throughout the rest of my life. And, and just, you know, every problem we had after that, we were able to apply the same principles and, um, 
How about when we uh, got sued for $500,000 and I got sued and me got sued. Okay. So this is one, which one are you referring to? (laughs) Actually, we got sued twice, but I think the second one was a scam. I mean, it was, and it was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, We'll get to that one. But the first one that was was like a gut punch. And that was in like 2008 or 2009. It was pretty early. Yeah. And you know, what had happened is we were working with a manufacturer and they had a project manager assigned to our case or our account. And she had our back. She was awesome and great. And she was looking out for us. And one day she decided to start her own manufacturing business, basically a sourcing business, call it. Right. And so we decided to go with her, but we didn't tell the manufacturer that we were going to be leaving them because of this like lag time. Yeah. Like they were still producing our stuff and we were afraid if we said we were leaving, they would like not make it. And so it's this kind of weird, I hate that part of the business where you can't communicate up front. Yeah. Well, and it was also magnified by the fact that U.S. manufacturing was changing and because we were doing some in the U.S. at that point. And so like their whole business was decreasing and we were just like the straw on the, like I just totally devastated them. Yeah. But, you know, I also, we didn't know, you know, yeah. So there's black, there's white, and then there's tons of shades of gray. Yeah. And one of the things that you constantly have to be doing is tapping into your gut and what's right. What's the right thing to do? Right. I think I knew, and you probably knew, like we all knew that there was something not quite right about hiding this, especially with the nuance that the woman we were going to work with was working there, like kind of now moonlighting and she hadn't told them. So it was all like convoluted and messy and, God, I just so much would rather have those conversations on the table up front in the future, which is what we did in the future. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in the meantime, we got sued and we had to deal with it. Yeah. Horrible and emotional. But the truth is, at the end of the day, to me, it felt more like a learning curve. And we had to gain some cash you know, that we probably couldn't afford, but what's your take on like when you were, cause you were involved in it, but you weren't a front, you were a front line, but you were like the support front line. What do you know that experience? I don't, to be honest, I feel like I was more on the sideliner. I don't, um, I wasn't doing as much manufacturing stuff at that point, but I just, um, I just remember like uh, that, it what it was that like we couldn't really afford that and we were thrown into this situation and you know you don't have a choice but it was like we just had to move on and you know deal with it and move on and figure out new manufacturing and everything that came with it but um it unfortunately it was something that like lasted 5 years or something too over time so it was like this constant reminder but you're mm-hmm. right i mean we all like in every hardship we went through, we just had to learn from it. And it is funny to even hear that, Nicole, because you're such a relationship person and you have instilled that value on skirt sports. And so like, it's funny that 
you know, part of it was like just a conversation wasn't had because it seems like that's the opposite of how things would have been handled more recently, you know? Yeah. So it was an important lesson to learn early on. It was. And I think you're right. Like I never would have handled it that way again, but it takes maturity. Yeah. My ego was pretty big back then. Like I had to have my ego shot down a few times (laughs) to like, you know, get done on the human level. But you know, the other thing is when we did get sued again, (laughs) so let's not leave people hanging because they'll be like, what they get sued for the second time. Um, The second time was, I believe the term is trademark troll. Yeah. And what happens is these people start these semi-fake companies. We don't know how real that company was. Turns out they might've had some product because you ordered it. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like 10 years old. It was weird. Yeah. And so, okay, this is hilarious. So we had created a skirt called the Cougar skirt. So this was when like Cougar Town was, you know, had just come out and it was funny to call like 40 plus year old single women who were hot Cougars and they were like on the prowl. And it's totally sort of against the brand that we became, but it was aligned with the old like early skirt, the skirt chaser kind of skirt, right? So we had made this skirt that was like short and flirty and pleated and cute. Now it's called the lioness. It's one of our best sellers, but we called it the cougar. We had it in the line for a number of years and we were selling it in huge volume to like Zappos, Zappos Backcountry, and and, I mean, you name it. There were a bunch of companies selling it for us. And we got hit with a lawsuit for the name Cougar. From this like fancy New York City law firm. And yeah. And we were like, what is this? And they said, well, this person owns Cougar Sport. And we're like, first of all, Cougar, it's like a freaking animal. There's like a million colleges and high schools called the Cougars. Are you suing all of them? Like what's going on? But they claimed confusion because we were skirt sports selling the cougar and it was cougar sport. And even though cougar sport was a men's company and yeah, you have to be careful on these trademarks. Well, and that was the funny thing. We were usually very good about checking uh, against the trademarks, but cougar, we just thought was such a generic word that why we didn't put the time into that one. And sure enough. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. But even if we did, we probably would have gone forward because we're like, well, this company isn't really competitive. It's not really. And I remember a conversation that you and I had at the end of that because we had a female attorney fighting these male, you know, New York City guys or, you know, we just had this impression of them in our head. And we were like, do you think this would have gone differently if they had been dealing with a male And, you know, it just sucks that we even had that conversation, but it's, but you know what reality, I think it might've, we ended up paying like 50 grand or something stupid. But the reason we paid that is because our accounts, we were afraid that they, they claimed that they were going to go after Zappos and go after backcountry and go after all these other accounts. And we didn't want to screw up our relationships with them. So we yeah. kind of took it and then we got more insurance for the future. <laughs> but, yeah. but you're right. I do think people ask all the time, like, 
how much harder did you have to fight being a woman in business? And I don't have a good answer to that because I'm, I've never been a man in business and I've only had the one business, so I can't even compare it to other businesses. You know, what's your answer to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a similar take in that, you know, we worked, our group was a lot of females um, and it, it helped selling the product as a female. So, and, you know, I think like the bankers we worked with or outside people, manufacturers that they, I don't, I didn't really get the impression that it hindered us being female. I mean, I, I, so I feel like I had a really good experience, um, but sure. Maybe did we have to work harder maybe, or we had to prove ourselves more maybe, um, you know what else? I feel like we didn't pay ourselves enough for a really long time. That's the other yeah. thing. I kept coming back to like my guy friends who start businesses are like, yeah, I'm going to raise a bunch of money and just pay myself a hundred grand a year from day two. And you're like, right. hey, it took us 10 years to get to a level where we and the company had to be profitable. And that's another thing that I think women tend to do is we're like, we can't like, we can't advocate for ourselves if it's going to hurt, you know, the company, which I get both sides of that. Like we didn't want to yeah. hurt the company, but we right. deserved to be paid what our male, you know, cohorts would make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It was just so hard because we were so limited in a lot of the things we could do. So team oriented people. It was hard to I know justify certain things or sure, even if they were justified, but well, and then one of the other things that you mentioned was, you know, feeling like me, pretty empowered as a woman in this business and industry. But something that Russell, our agent who we worked with at the very end of the line to help us transition skirt, um, which could have transitioned to a death. Or a handoff, which fortunately it was the latter. But um, he said, you know, I think there is a thing called athlete privilege. And I think that possibly you and then your team enjoyed athlete privilege along the way because a lot of yeah. other small business women that I talk to don't feel the same way as you. And so I say kudos to us for like being the strong athletes and pushing that part of our identities throughout our entire life. And then taking those things that we learned and bringing them into business. Absolutely. Damn. I mean, I don't, we were not pushovers. We were not weak in the sense of like, we knew what we needed to do and we're going to stick up for that. So, but you're right. I mean, the athlete thing definitely helped. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, well, Sarah, I decided I really only wanted to hire athletes or people who had experience in sport in some way. They didn't have to be your level, you know, which was freaking college, um, you know, volleyball, kick ass and continue doing it afterwards. But but it helped that you were because here's my take. I think athletes know how to suffer. And they also know that while they're going through that period of discomfort, there is going to be a light at the end because that's the goal they're striving for. They're goal-driven, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh 
Oh my God. Speaking of goals, remember I used to make us all do goals every year. You did. We people, had to meet with you. Yeah. Oh my God. People were doing like slideshows and stuff, like full on presentations, except one employee who I absolutely love. One of the only guys that we had on our team and he was with us for a really long time. Yeah. Jim, he refused. He was like, I don't need to do any goals. All right. See ya. Yeah, that was him. It was fine. That's awesome. Oh my God. But what did you, you know, it kind of all ties into company culture and you were part of our company from the party culture days to the more probably inspiring culture days to the end when the culture, you know, it kind of faded a little bit because we were all, we were a skeleton crew and we had, we had all become moms. And we all had different things tugging it. We didn't have all the time in the world. So what do you think about, and especially now working in a new position that is a different kind of corporation, like what's the importance of company culture to you? And what do you think we did right? And what did we do wrong? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's so important just to identify what it is and your values because, you know, you said, at the end, our culture maybe wasn't as strong, but I think that was also because everybody knew our values. We were all very aligned. We didn't necessarily have to spend as much time building it because it was just there and everybody got it. And, um, but in the early days or as we were hiring different people and we did a variety of things to, you know, get people to understand the culture and, um, (laughs) You know, some funnier things like others, like the Skirty Awards. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember when Jen, we gave her the Busy Beaver Award. Oh, Busiest Beaver. Oh, my God. I thought of by Nicole DeBoom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we but, had we had the sales reps and we had like a we had a team yeah. that probably had like 30 people at one point when you included yeah. our employees, our sales crew, and some of the contractors who were sort of could have been in-house. Right. And that's a big, that's a big enterprise. Yeah. That you you want to inspire, motivate, and really have fun with, right? Right. I know. I think it was like it was a constant that it was always important to us. And um you know, we wanted to keep it thriving, but we did different things depending on the group to foster it and, um, you know, make sure it was thriving. So, yeah. You know, when, what years did you get your MBA? Um, 2008 to 2011. Okay. I thought it was right around that. So, There was a day when I just knew it hit me like a gut punch that you were meant to be a leader in our company, in your life, in this world, that your leadership style was uh, at that point really kind of leading by example. But there was one day in a meeting where something shifted and I was often not challenged in meetings. People would kind of just let me spew my stuff, you know, and I had ideas and I'd always come to like, Nicole's got another idea. Look out. Things are going to get exciting again, you know? And like some of those ideas were really good, but a lot of them weren't. And, um, and I kind of 
pushed most of them through for a long time. But um, there was one day, and I think it was after you had started your MBA. And it was like there was a shift in you. And I, you know where I saw it? Your nose. I swear <laughs> to God, like you're not like your oh lips stay closed. Your nose got a little bit pursed. And you challenged me back. And I was like, holy cow, this woman. And I, and I stepped back. I remember being like, okay, cool. This is, this is new. This is different. And there's somebody else who we can elevate to rise up and help, you know, sort of make this machine successful. And shortly after that, um, I forget what position you were in, but we were leading company meetings, like different people at the company were leading the meetings. And you one day came in and you were like, here's your book. This is for our meeting. And it was, you gave, you bought out of your own budget, your own pocket. This wasn't a skirt thing. You bought every employee at Skirt Sports, the Fred Factor. And That's I love right. it. It is <laughs> such a good book. Amazing book. And you came in like that. You were like, next week we'll be reviewing this or something, you know? And it was just so fun. I'm, these are just two small memories, but like we all have these little snapshots in our history where we can see the change in somebody that we love and care about. And I was like, this is Sarah. She's changing. She's becoming who, who she should be in this life. Right. I don't know. What yeah. are your memories from that time? Do you, do you? Well, see okay. I have yeah. a funny memory yep. that I really like, just, I remember sitting in this room and everybody's faces it was when this was in our first office um, warehouse and wait, the slums or the slums of Boulder. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it was probably like a year or two into the company. And you were like, what do you think about making shorts? <laughs> and, you know, it was a year or two. And we had this conversation many a times, but this was just like the first one. And I remember like, I was like, oh my, like, I just remember thinking this. And I remember looking at um, another woman we had working there and she was like, yeah, because she liked to also wear shorts. And, um, and I was like, shorts, oh, like, we're just trying to get women to believe in skirts. And it's funny. You don't remember. <laughs> no, I do. You know what you said? But then what? Nicole, that is bullshit. You said that. I don't know if I said that. You did. You said that. And it might not have been that for that exact dumb. concept, but at okay. some point you did tell me it was bullshit. <laughs> I, that's how I remember it. I remember it was like a heated conversation. And then it's funny because then we did get to the point where we were like, yes, we need shorts ASAP. Like, let's get some shorts. <laughs> but it's just like this topic of shorts was such a controversial topic in the company at so many different points. So it's so funny, but, but you were willing to listen. So, well, it was, fun. Was you know, <laughs> it's fun to really see someone champion something or hold their ground, Yeah, you know, against yeah. someone who's sort of an outspoken leader, like I was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I had to learn a lot too about how to listen better, when yeah. to compromise or back off completely you know? Yeah. And I think, sorry, <laughs> I think there were definitely, 
I, or I definitely learned my time at skirt sports that you can have very heated conversations with people because you're both coming from a good place. But um, if you have a personal relationship or if you care about each other, you can do it in a successful way. And because there were some, there was, I loved our sales leader. Um, she is a great woman, but we really butted heads on a lot of things. Cause you know, sales operations, inevitably you butt heads sometimes. And, um, and even, you know, you and I, sometimes we would butt heads and because we represented different ways of looking at things. And, but in the end, we could have an open conversation because we cared about each other and we both had the company in mind. Um, but I, I, I just remember so many of those instances where we could do that and then get to a good conclusion afterward while still, you know, getting along and, um, and moving forward. So. I think you're right. I mean, it, a lot of it does come back to communication. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in, in the very first year, the five or so people who were on board, I think they were my friends. Like they became my friends and that was not a good relationship to have as a boss. You don't really want to be best friends with the people working there. And I believe that the, after that crew sort of evolved out that going forward, it was more like a family dynamic. Yeah. Like we could fight, but we're sisters. So we're not going anywhere for the most part. I mean, we might, people might get really mad, but they're your family. They're always going to be your family. So you kind of got to make amends and come back. And, you know, you and I are so close like sisters, but we didn't, like socialize. It wasn't like, Hey, let's go out to dinner with our families. Even like, I kind of wanted to, I kind of wished for that, but I knew at the end of the day, like there had to be a line somewhere. Yeah. And I think it was healthy. Definitely. I do too. You're right. I mean, family is a good way to put it because we could have those conversations, but we were always there for each other and coming back to the table. So I mean, the danger is you start to get like, almost like eye rolling, like crazy (laughs) sister, you know, like, so it's a respect has to stay, you know, prevalent. And when you go through a lot of life changes, like we all did, and like you and I did with, you went through getting your MBA at night there was this four year period of time where your motto was sleep is for the week. (laughs) And I think you slept like never. I don't know how you did it. And I was on this adrenaline rush over all those years where I would like push us through the weekends, never take days off. Like I loved work so much. Yeah. I don't know. It just consumed me. And I just sort of expected everybody who worked at skirt to consume them too. And I think it kind of did, but eventually there came a point of burnout with some people and they were pretty aware of like, we got to stop doing that. And I was like, I'm not ready to stop doing that yet. You're gone. You're going to leave. You'll probably leave because you're not going to be able to cut it. Sleep is for the week. Right. (laughs) I mean, this was never a company where we hired people to do the nitty gritty. We did it all. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, we never had that luxury. I mean, sure, like we had support staff and people, but like we were always, um, and maybe that wasn't always a good thing or I just, it never seemed like we had enough resources to completely get out of certain things or, um, but that was definitely a learning experience. I mean, looking back, would you have suggested or pushed for a different approach with raising money, for instance? Like we raised money, we raised over, you know, a million dollars in a couple of rounds from friends and family. But I mean, we could have raised like $10 million and owned a lot less of the company and tried to make a bigger hockey stick you know, and sell yeah. the company for a ton of money, but not make that much money. Or I, I guess you'd still make a lot of money if you sold it for a lot of money. So like, do you ever look back on it and go, God, why didn't we take that approach? Why did we take the tight and lean approach the whole way? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely thought about that. Um, and, you know, it's easy to say that looking back, um, you know, I remember having those conversations and I think part of it was that there was like never a good time that we came upon towards the end to raise money. Cause it was like just kind of up and down at the end. Um, so I mean, yeah, sure. I, I could say right now, yeah. Why didn't we raise more money and change that outcome? But at the same rate, you know, we did what we did and it was hard to know at that time. And there were reasons we didn't do it or didn't think we could do it. And so, um, you know, was that right? I'm not sure, but I know why we made certain decisions. Um, you know, like that's the hard part of like how things ended. Like I understand it, but it's hard not to think of different things you could have done or, different outcomes or yeah, I think I'm definitely still processing that. I know I am too, for sure. I mean, we're, let's get back to that. Let's sort yeah. of, I, cause <laughs> I actually think we have to talk through the point that so many crazy and absurd things happened with skirt sports to help us grow because of the way we did things. You know, I mean, we could have been yeah. in Outdoor Voices and raised a hundred million or whatever, you know, she raised. And and now Tyler Haney is, you know, she got kicked out of her company and then just let back in. And, you know, it's just been like a weird roller coaster for her, too. So maybe no matter how you do it, you're going to have your big learning curves and your personal growth. You know, I I, yeah. I think the absurd times need to be. Um, outed here. We've got to, we've got to put them out in public because that stuff is, it's the, it's the, what makes you tick, you know, it's, yeah. these are the things you're going to remember. I was often, I've often thought about all the things you've learned at skirt sports. Like you got your MBA to inform your role at skirt sports and like do a better job there. But at the same time, I feel like skirt sports, the things that played out, you can't plan for, you know? Absolutely. Well, that, so, and that's part of why I stayed. There was, I was learning so much and we were going through so much and not stuff you can learn in other ways. I mean, except to go through it. 
What would you say was were some of the more crazy things that happened that you never would have expected? <laughs> I mean, um, well, one huge thing we went through was like the e-commerce growth boom just happening outside of us even just what was happening with online businesses and everybody was starting to shop online and Amazon started to really grow and Zappos and you know and then there was like we used to talk so much about channel conflict like how do we keep our wholesale accounts happy but then sell online and I'm like thinking about that now like do they even talk about that because you have to sell online you know, I think it's and a we thing. were protecting things. And I mean, we were just living it. And um, it was so challenging to keep everybody happy and your own business thriving. So you're managing, you know, all these different components and, and it's new for everybody. You know, you're all kind of going through it for the first time. And, um, and now it's funny too, like Amazon is such a huge beast and we were like kind of at the beginning selling to them and Zappos too. And um, oh God, Amazon took we, us out. Right. Jeez. So it's, I mean, that was a huge learning curve going through that. Um, and especially as a smaller brand that didn't have like leverage to just be like, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, we were kind of swayed by certain retailers and the pressure they were putting on us. And um, so, yeah, yeah, that was. It was like there were just a lot of people poking at us. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is in the in the early days, we created a category. This category was growing like wildfire, like Everyone was getting in on it. So there was competition. It was exciting. But even though other people were coming in on it, the whole thing was blowing up. So we were growing. And I felt like we would make these decisions and they just all worked. Like they were just turning to gold. And we were doing crazy things like a skirt chaser race series. And it would turn to gold. And, you know, you you name it, convert to skirts, send in your shorts. Like who sends their own shorts in to a company that was awesome. for like a discount <laughs> or something? And, and people did. And so we were sort of asking the impossible, but it would happen. But then yeah. there came a period where it didn't turn to gold anymore. And one of the things I remember is one of our first meltdowns was when our lease was up at a building we had in Lookout Road in, in Gun Barrel. And we decided to go for like the five-year longest term of the lease because it was the cheapest. And we didn't, there was no sign that the business model was going to change about literally like six months later. I think it was like a it was recession. Like six months later. It yeah. was. Or it, was. or it could have been the retail apocalypse, like what you mentioned, you know, when e-commerce sort of overtook, like something happened. And we were like, we're in trouble. We need to change. We can't stay in here. We've got to change our whole business right now, today, or we're not going to survive. And that was the day we had like the D-Day talks with all the employees and we let half of our team go. It was horrible. We learned yeah. that process too, how to yeah. hopefully positively, you know, deliver bad news, let's say, but we became landlords. 
we couldn't get out of that freaking massive lease and it was expensive. So we were landlords for over four years in that space. Right. Yeah. So talk about bad timing. Right. Well, who ended up managing that role? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's just one of those things that nobody, we never thought we would go through it. And I remember we were like five years, no problem. Like, we'll be around five, like, yeah, you know, and yeah, then we went to landlords. (laughs) Yeah. And then we became, you became the landlord. You were the managing landlord. And so we had all these subletters. It was a big space. You had to have all these different subletters or else, you know, to, to take every spot. And we're trying to manage it to the day of the end of the lease. Well, there was, there came a day this was one of the most exciting and absurd things that happened. I was like, Sarah, you just learned this. Oh my God. You want to talk about our t- crazy tenant? <laughs> oh my God. So we, I mean, we did as much homework as we could to get these new tenants in. And he came in with his wife and his kids and this business that he you know, was already had been around. It's not like it was a new business and it was a small unit. So he signs this lease and then, um, just all of a sudden we start, you know, not receiving the rent payments. And then like this whole investigation begins of what's going on. And, um, and then, you know, no phone calls being returned and, um, and just, you know, we couldn't really believe this was happening because like, we're not landlords. So this is all kind of new to us. And, and then, um, like I found some other people to call and then like his old business partner and anyway, come to find out he like had gotten arrested in the unit and he had some, uh, mental health issues and, uh, he, apparently like had a gun in the unit and um, just all this crazy stuff. And then he shows up at our store. Well, prior to that though, you, we didn't know about his arrest or where he was. Yeah. We didn't know about it. Yeah. Right. And finally we were like, we got to get him out of there because we need to start generating some rent on that unit. Yeah. So you investigated how we could do that. And we ended up evicting him. Right. And, and then we, we an were, attorney. Yes. And yeah. And we had to get rid of his stuff. He was like a sign maker. So he had some like equipment in there and whatever. And so you had set up this entire online auction. We were auctioning off his crap. Yeah. Because he was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. Just MIA for months. Yeah. Right. And, um, and so he, the day there was this whole like controversy in house with us because it cost us money to get this silent auction set up. And we, we needed to recoup some of the rent and he showed up the day before the auction and you weren't there. I was there. I was yeah. That, yeah. I was at skirt. Yeah. We were in a store now. We had relocated to a small yeah. retail store and that's where office was. And he showed up disheveled, smelling like cigarettes, in weird clothing, not professional, kind of shaky. It was weird. Yeah. 
And I remember talking to him. Actually, I was dumb. I took him into our back office and like closed the door. Everyone was like, what is she doing? Well, I trusted him. I don't know. I just felt like I could feel his pain. And he was like, don't do the auction, please. And so I talked to you and you were like. Well, he said he had money that he could give us to make it right. And we gave him that chance. And we met him. We said, you have to be show up here the next day, this time in a parking money you say you have like an envelope of cash in a parking (laughs) lot. Like it felt very weird and shady. (laughs) Well, this had been months and we weren't in a position to cash flow of this guy. I mean, we needed it was hard for us because we were trying to be compassionate, but there was the reality of our business. And and so that was like. We gave him that chance. And sure enough, he didn't show up with the money. No, and Sarah, he, was, he did. He, you do remember? All, he had the money. Not all of it, though. Oh, he didn't have all of it. Yeah. yeah. It yes. was a very small amount. Okay, yeah. It was like a down payment. But then he <laughs> literally had the cash in his hand. And we were like, are you sure you don't want to just keep that cash and we'll do this online auction? What do you do? You, what do you want? We'll take your cash and trust you, which would have been a bad decision, probably. Mm-hmm. That would have been on the compassion side. Or we can move forward with the auction. Then we wouldn't lose our down payment for setting the thing up, right? Yeah, right, right. And he literally, could you see the conflict within him? He was like looking at the cash, looking at us, looking at the cash, looking at us. Yeah. Parking lot of like the Wells Fargo and Target. Yeah. Yep. And uh, in the end, he said, I'll keep the cash. Yep. Go ahead and do the auction. And he walked yeah. away. That was the last I ever heard of him. Yeah, me too. Oh, my that God. That was crazy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But And then all the stuff got taken in the auction. It was like a miracle. Like, we, we made any, money. <laughs> we didn't have it. Nothing was left. They did it did better than this auction company thought it would. And we luckily like got out of that, found a new renter. That was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I hope those are skills I don't have to use again. <laughs> well, you know, the crazy thing is no, that it was good. I swear you learned I was like, Sarah, add it to your resume. <laughs> like landlord, eviction specialist, like you name it, like auction, you know, manager. Um, I swear every time we had to renew a lease after that, we changed our business. (laughs) I mean, even with the store. So eventually then we shrunk our business. So this was also hard. We, but I, Sarah, I have such a good memory of this too. When we were, we were close to 5 million in sales, you know, between four and 5 million at our, the height of skirt. And that's pretty solid. Like, right. had we sold the business on the rise up to that, we probably would have done well, but we would have probably thought it wasn't for enough. Isn't that interesting? Because right. we were still on that momentum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Until the first year you're flat or down. And then right. you can do all you can to keep pushing and trying to get it back up. But, you know, for us, it just, it didn't turn back. And part of that was that wholesale was never the same again. And so, you know, we were faced with how do we run a direct, we called it DTC, direct to consumer centric business um, 
in a very profitable and positive way. And so we went from one year of having this massive loss to turning the business around tight. We, we let go of most of our staff. We changed to this small retail space with a tiny office instead of a big office with a tiny retail space. We got rid of our warehouse. Like we did all the stuff to downsize. And we, I remember from one year you're like, okay, we just dropped like our, our revenue in half basically. And you're like, there's more. <laughs> like it was like the next year after that. And you're like, I think we finally hit our rock bottom of sales. You know, but <laughs> almost, yeah. But what happened is that we got profitable again. And right. I remember saying to you, Sarah, we're freaking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, profitability was so important to us because we couldn't that was the way we were financing. So yep. And we had a bank line. And have a choice. I you mean, had yeah. To. Yeah. And I mean, there is such huge learning in all of that. Like big numbers feel good, but shrinking and getting profitable felt almost as good or better. Right. Right. Because there's security. And you feel healthy. And yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think like the idea of healthy and security in our lives takes on a new meaning as we get older and we become moms and we have kids and families and other responsibilities, you know, yeah. and there came a day for me for sure. And I saw it in you too, where we, we were still committed to skirt, but we didn't work the same because the responsibilities at home, like you couldn't just work all day, every day when you're trying to take care of your babies, you know? And so you became more, um, a defensive of your time, or I don't know what the word is, but protective yeah. of your yeah. time. And I used to call you all the time, like every day and just be like, so this happened blah, 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 blah. And finally one day you were like, I got to go. I can't, I, I, I can't right now. Like I have too much going on. And <laughs> That, you know, that was an important, I think, growth curve for you too. to be like, there's a lot of things that are more important than this job, even though I love it with all my heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or that's, I mean, it's like, I, I always feel like I was still committed in the same way and um, like that never changed it's just, you just have to get more efficient with your time and, um, cut the fluff, like your boss calling on yeah, Sunday. Well, and I think, you know, you process things a little differently than I do. So I know that was part of how you needed to talk about, you know, your priorities and, you know, that's something I learned about you. Whereas I didn't have that same way of processing, but, um, just how it is. So, you know, it's, it's part of it is learning and evolving your coping tools too, along the way. When did, how did the double thumbs up happen? That was hilarious. <laughs> you came up with that. Was it from I know, like I don't therapy know. or something? I can't remember. I can't remember either, but. The concept yeah. was you, oh, it was about when you would get when defensive. Yeah. So if someone else was getting defensive when you're talking to them. Instead yeah. of poking at them and going, why are you getting defensive or like keeping pushing on it? You just smile, deliver the double thumbs up 
<laughs> and then they know what you're saying. And it it infuses the whole situation that can start to get tense with some humor. Yep. And so this is something that you shared with me later on. We always used to, we laughed a lot, even when things were hard. And I remember I didn't realize that that was one of your like reflexive coping (laughs) tools. Like we're doing right now. (laughs) So talk a little bit about, you know, why laughing as a reflex to a tough situation helps you get through it. Yeah. I mean, I don't like... I don't exactly know how I got that way, but I just, when things are really bad, I just laugh, like laugh my ass off, just uncontrollably, like I'm crying. And just because, I guess it's just because like, this is comical that things are so bad and that's just how it is. And I think I remember too, we were in Asia and we got so sick. You oh got sick first and then I, I no. got sick. And then Sarah, you, yes. And I pooped the bed. Yes. And, and accidentally. I remember, <laughs> yeah, and you're like in this, you know, uncomfortable place <laughs> eating these foods and, you know, you just want to feel good. And I just remember laughing so hard because we were all just like, uh, and there's oh. nothing you can do, you oh know? Oh my God. <laughs> No, I remember this because I got really sick before you, like you said, and then I remember having a little poopy bed incident and then you were sick. So you had to stay up in the condo or something, but I came down and I was like, she, uh, she pooped the bed. (laughs) (laughs) At the hotel front desk, you don't. (laughs) I blamed you. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was was so ridiculous. Yeah. There were several times where I just like laughed so hard because just things you just, I didn't know how else to handle it. No. What do you do? Just you either laugh or cry, I guess. And yeah. And sometimes you do both. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Like you had two children along the way. Actually, it was very unfair because you never got a full maternity leave. I think it was (laughs) with Benjamin that we got audited. Like literally the day you were like coming, you weren't even, it was like you were in the hospital and we got delivered like (laughs) the the notes. I forgot about that. Yeah. Remember, I exaggerate a little bit, just a teeny bit. Um, a lot actually. And you, it was like, Sarah, I know you um, have a one day old, but can you handle this audit? So yeah, it was sort of crazy. Like, I don't know if you, it was fair to you. Like if you really got your time with your littles and how you oh, felt I- about having kids and being in this sort of, you know, leadership role in a company. I, I, I definitely think I did. I mean, I made the decisions I made to not always sleep when my newborn was sleeping and to do some skirt work, you know, I made those decisions and they made me happy. And so I, you know, that's on me for sure. And I definitely, you know, because I also think I was fortunate, like I was at that maturity level too and comfortable enough that if I needed to say no, I would, but you know, I loved what I was doing and thought I could, do it all in a sense, you know, but, um, but yeah, 
you know, those are it's like the whole work-life balance is whatever you make it and the choices you make. So I was is, fine with what I was doing and the choices I made. So that's yeah. such a great point. You know, um, one thing I love about you is that you have like a zero bullshit factor. So wasn't there a class you took when you were getting your your um, MBA and it was like people carry around a percentage of exaggeration or bullshit with them? Yes. And like, you know, I and we were like, yeah, I have like 50 percent. It's like I am I make everything bigger. You know, it's like there's a little embellishment to a lot of things. Um, I, know, and I remember us talking like, what is that person's percentage? What is that? <laughs> and we have had people who work for us who were in like the 95th percentile. Yeah. Yeah. And so everything they said, and it doesn't mean that they were bad at their job or, you know, whatever, but you just, right. it was all about learning how to work with other personalities. Absolutely. Oh, how yeah. fun. So yeah. going back to kids, how did having kids change you as a person? Um, you know, I think, well, number one, just being more efficient with your time and your priorities and really figuring out really what your priorities are and how you juggle all of that. And, um, but, you know, I think also from a business perspective, it definitely made me more compassionate and, um, like, I think I was very traditional at first at Skirt in the sense of like, you work eight to five. Sorry, is it loud? I'm hearing a little like reverberation there. Like you got a little band playing. There's some vacuuming going on upstairs. I'm sorry. Oh, that's great. Cool. I love that the husband vacuums. A really great time. Um, Perfect. No problem. Um, but, you know, I was like, you need to be in the office eight to five or whatever. Some of those more traditional ways. And, and I think not just being a mom, but also just what has evolved with working. And, you know, even when we moved to the retail store and had some work from home and just really like having it be more about getting your job done versus working traditional hours or. Um, <laughs> I feel like he's going to come into the office. And be like, excuse me, just a quick little. I love your husband, by the way. I absolutely <laughs> love him. I feel honored to have been at your wedding. You know, it, it's like he feels like family too, even though I don't ever hang out with him. But man, he's good with a, a gif. Absolutely. Or a gif or whatever you call him. I know. I think he came into the warehouse because we used to have like a family gathering or I forget what we were yeah. celebrating. And no, he the had, Christmas like, parties. No? Yeah, but he like put on some bra or something like he did something ridiculous. Or, yeah, he I proved his worth immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so <laughs> this is the best part of this interview. I love it. <laughs> uh, we might have edited this part out. Uh, <laughs> it should be done very soon. I, uh, <laughs> totally. Great. I think it's because it's the hardwood floors right above me. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, anyway. okay. <laughs> um, so you were talking about how having kids changed you. Yes. Um, I definitely think it just has made me really embrace <laughs> the, um, it's definitely made me embrace 
just getting your job done versus however many hours it takes or not take or um, just whatever you need to do to get your best work done. Like you, you were not somebody who could sit at the office in your desk for a full day. Like that is not how you're programmed. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, every person has the best way that they can work most efficiently and thrive. And you have to embrace that about each person. And, um, you know, I think I learned a lot about that as being a mob and just juggling everything and you're pulling different directions or you have to leave to go take your kid to the doctor. He's sick or, you know, whatever it might be, but then you're getting back on your computer to get your job done because you want to, and you care about it and you have deadlines. And so, um, you just have to trust that people and hopefully they'll prove to you, they can do that, but you just have to have the faith that people will do that. And now, especially in today's coronavirus world, we're all working like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, glad I had that understanding before going into this. Well, so. you know, you are one of the most solid people I know, like in all ways, your beliefs. And I'm not surprised because I've met your parents and they <laughs> almost make me want to cry because I just, they're such incredible people. And I can see that where you got it. You got this foundation from having a mom who's freaking strong and a dad who is just really awesome, you know? Yeah. And you too. I mean, we were really lucky. We are lucky. That we had, I mean, your parents have believed so much in you and skirt sports and me. I mean, they embraced all of us, whether they wanted to or not. Like truly, I mean, um, we are very lucky that, uh, our parents. Well, let's, let's swing it the other way then. Let's say in 30 years, your kids are in their thirties and they're doing an interview and someone says, what'd you learn from your mom? What do you remember about your mom when you were little? Like, what do you want them to remember about you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, these are hard ones. Well, hopefully that I was kind or like, I hope they'll think of the type of person I was and kindness and compassion. And, um, and I also, I mean, I hope they'll understand hard work and that really anything is possible, but you have to work hard and, you know, not just like putting in hours, but, um, to get good at something, you have to put effort into it and not give up and, you know, believe in yourself and, just put in the effort to get better at something. And I hope that they'll have seen that and um, the resilience too, hopefully that comes with that. So, you know, I hope that they see it too. And I think they will. Um, I think you are someone who constantly surprises and amazes people. I'll never forget the first time we just sort of handed you the mic to MC a big retreat we had. And you hadn't, I'd always done that. That's what I naturally do. And I was like, well, let's just, Sarah wants to do it. Let's see how it goes. Cause I don't want to do it this time. And you were amazing. Like there's just so many parts of you that I just hope get explored over the years so that other people can, you know, enjoy what you bring to the world. 
Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so let's have a little closure. Um, let's, let's kind of wrap things by talking about success and failure. So when, when skirt ended, it was a true roller coaster. I mean, we wanted it to end years before. And every time we talked about selling the company, you know, I would get excited and start to check out a little more and then something would happen and it wasn't the right time. We wouldn't get what we thought we should and we wouldn't get a return, a great return for our investors and ourselves for all this work until the very end when it came crashing down and we couldn't sell the company for what it was worth. It just, it wasn't going to happen because of tons of different factors. And it's funny, Sarah, because at the end of the day, we weren't meant to make that landslide of cash, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other things that are going to bring us joy in our future. And it, the joy that we got from Skirt, I think, is what needs to be celebrated instead of the way we felt in the past, for the past, like, last year of its life. Um, but you wrote me a letter and it was about processing and trying to have some closure and not feeling great about how it ended. And I have had on my list, write Sarah a letter for like six months. And maybe this is our letter, you know, (laughs) maybe today is a chance for us to just step back and talk about the fact that we did feel like we failed. Yeah. Have you been able to turn that around? I mean, (laughs) um, I, you know, I try to frame it very positively in the sense of, like I said earlier, like I know the, why we made the decisions we made and why things happened. And, um, we really did everything we could and, um, and all the positive things that came from that and, framing it as positively as possible, but I think I still feel in my heart that it, we failed, I failed at the end or, you know, that it wasn't in the end, it wasn't the outcome that we had set out for. And because of that, despite other positive things that came from it, you know, it, it still feels like a failure in that sense. And so, but, you know, when I used to think about that, it really made me sad and was difficult to even think about and talk about. And there's not a lot of people that really know what that feels like. And, but now I have more peace with it. Um, But yeah, I mean, people can be like, oh, that's not a failure, whatever, you know, but I think in my heart, I still feel, um, you know, cause there's people involved, you know, and just, I would have hoped things would have turned out different and, um, and it is what it is, <laughs> it's you know, I'm so grateful for it. It's just, it was hard and it was hard. It was hard because what, well, one of the things that has hit me and maybe this can help you too, is that we set our bar for failure or success based a hundred percent on a financial result. And for that purpose, there's also black, white, and shades of gray. 
we didn't fail as hard as we could have failed. And we didn't didn't win a home run. I mean, we didn't even probably get to first base. Maybe we got to first base, but like we did not round the bases, you know? Yeah. And the financial piece feels is hard for me to, to chew as well. I mean, the biggest fail we could have had is if we didn't pull the plug when we did, because we would have had a massive amount of debt and I would have personally been, you know, screwed for life or a long time trying to pay it off. But we made really good decisions at the end. And, you know, when we were able to finally reframe it. So one of the things we were so good at at Skirt was reframing stuff, right? Yeah. Coming up with like some kind of magic at the very end, right? When we reframed it and we said, we want to win at shutting down, what does that look like? We had financial success there. You're right. We were really, we did a really good job at, in fact, we should be hired as consultants. Although companies (laughs) that are shutting down don't have any money to spend on consultants. Damn it. Everything we're good at requires like people who have no money. You know, people starting businesses, people ending businesses. Um, But uh, I think, you know, there is a little bit of peace for me there in that that's okay. But what really, what we really did that was incredibly successful was we helped change women's lives. And I know you know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the silver lining of everything that that in the end is what makes everything seem so much so much more positive than yeah. just you know the one outcome but and you know Sarah you are completely epic there is no person <laughs> like you on this planet you know with the job that you're now in when your boss future boss called me to talk to me i couldn't stop bragging about you and she goes why why are you letting her leave? Like, why, why aren't you, why are you giving her a stamp of approval to like take off and do something different? And I was just like, you know, she'd be silly not to bring you on board. You know, you have, yeah, you're a generalist. You've done pretty much everything you can do in a business, but the core principles that you live on are stronger than anybody I know, Sarah. And so I've been really lucky because you have balanced me out in my chaos, in my craziness, and you've helped me be a better person. I learned, I have learned so much from you, Sarah. Thank you. (laughs) And right back at you because, I mean, I have learned so much and I know I am part of who I am today because of you and just your, how you handle things and your positivity. And, you know, I'm just, that is part of why I stayed because it was this wonderful place to be. And with these other wonderful women, like fostering this great environment and, um, and, you know, the world does need more companies like that, that are such positive places to be, especially as a woman. And, with other women and helping them thrive and empower them. And so in the end, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) It was, you know what? Maybe that is the name of this episode. In the end, it was a lot of fun. Let's do a quick shout out to all the people we worked with. (gasps) 
Name some names. We got Tracy Sheffer. Tracy. (laughs) I love you, Trace. Jason Wally helped us with all of our, he built our first website. He did our e-commerce. Yes. They stayed at our houses. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. And then Jim, of course, because we're talking about our other male. uh. Oh my God. The only two guys. Actually, we had Will. Do you remember Will for a while? Crazy Will. He's listening. (laughs) Kelsey, Will Kelsey. He actually, he won the run with Judy sweepstakes. We brought our blow up doll to a race and he ran with her and we called it a sweepstakes, but he was the only one who would do it. I don't think he won anything. That's right. The privilege of running. Um, We had Kelly in design and development. Yep. She went on a smart wool. She was awesome. Yep. Um, Best person. Rebecca (gasps) Rowley. I miss her so much. Um, Milf. Um, our favorite Noel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Noel won the Skirty Award. So this was really funny at our holiday party. Um, it was called the MILF Award, which stood for My Isn't Life Fantastic. And we gave it to her and she wore it around her neck and she did not know the other meaning made very, you know, public by the American Pie series or whatever. Oh, yeah. That movie was until we told her and then she immediately took it off because she had two young boys there. <laughs> She's so embarrassed. <laughs> and Jen. Jen. Creative skirt. Wonderful oh, Jen. <laughs> she's about to move into a tiny home. She had a lot of change too. Yeah. Life change. And um we, Holly. Who? Remember Holly? Oh my God. I thought that's like where the whole Fred factor thing came in. It is. She taught me so much just by listening to her on the phone. Holly Johns, you were around for the first six to nine months of this company, maybe a little longer. You're an amazing person and a beautiful person. And I miss you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corey French. Oh, Corey. Oh my God. (laughs) I love you. She's the one who created our bathroom. I know. She left her mark for sure. Do you remember the bathroom was first called like the wall of hot men? And then we had an attorney who visited. Yes. He's like, you might want to reframe that because if a guy comes in, he might feel offended. And I was like, why Why would a guy feel offended that we're going guys hot? But anyway, we changed it to the wall of strong women and the wall of inspiration. And our bathrooms became a place of inspiration and Corey French she was like the mastermind. Totally. Oh my God. That was amazing. Oh my God. Heidi. Heidi and T. Yes. Yeah. Product Whitney. design. Oh, amazing. When Whitney, she was a model, all the models. I know. There's Jesus. been so many. Bobby. Oh, Bobby. And Kim Cook. Oh, our photographer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about Carrie Hayes? Seeing it. And oh, Janet, yes, Carrie, and Suze. Now we're rolling. Suze. And Janelle. Oh, oh my Janelle. God! Oh, and Mia, and, and um, Gretchen. Gretchen. Oh, I love Gretchen. <laughs> Remember when we had the um, prairie dog come in the warehouse? Oh and my God! I forgot the about boxes, that. And we were screaming and jumping on ladders for a prairie dog. <laughs> And we had to get Janelle called her husband, Peter, and he came in and like. It's a family him. affair. It was. Yes, totally. What about, remember Raj? 
Raj and Gail. My parents. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle. My sister, Michelle Green. Oh, she did so much. She's still doing work for Skirt. Like every once in a while, just like pushing yeah. a button, but still. Yeah. It's so amazing. Yes. Um, okay. Diane, Jess, Katie. Oh, God. Katie's the one you got. Um, uh, oh, George. Oh. <laughs> George. There were three guys. The That's part. right. Oh my God, we might just have to fade out during this part because the I list know. goes There's on so many. And on. I mean, all but of they're all just things. wonderful parts of history that all made their mark. And yeah, it is fun to reminisce. You know what? Every single person we just mentioned has like touched my heart in some way. So I am Absolutely. so grateful. Grateful to yes. all our investors for putting their money in and their emotion yes. and their confidence in me. And yes. uh, I'll never forget that. And Sarah, in the end of the day here, I am just so grateful for you. I know that our friendship will, our sisterhood (laughs) will continue to evolve and last a lifetime. Um, If I have helped you only a fraction of how much you've helped me, then it will make me very happy. So thank you. Thank you. It will. A lifetime. You're amazing. (laughs) And in the end, it was fun. Yes. That's right. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, we are finally down to the final question that I actually forgot to ask. So I'm back with it. How could I forget? Is the first time in four years that I've forgotten to ask this question. And I think it was because of the power of the relationship I have with you that I was completely distracted and I was ready to have closure, but we're not going to have closure yet. Um, So here we go. If you can leave our listeners with one final nugget, one little piece of advice that will help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Oh, I think as simple as it is, just believe in yourself. I mean, there is a quote I really like from Tony Robbins. Um, Your capability is constant, but how how much of it you use depends on who you really think you are. And... You know, just you go through ups and downs in life, but you have to have that belief in yourself um, to keep going and um, just never give up and keep the fight going. So I will leave you with that. (laughs) I love it. Just keep it going, Sarah. Yes. Yes. All right. I am back. Wow. How much do you love? How much do you love you some Sarah Vernon Bruner? I know I do, and I miss her. Sarah, I miss you. Um, I truly appreciate all of you listening to the very end (laughs) and really giving me this opportunity to walk down memory lane with Sarah. It was really fun for me. I mean, we hit on a lot of high and low lights. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the double thumbs up will live on forever. But the truth is, Sarah is one of those special gems that if you ever have the opportunity to interact with her in your life, I know you will feel it too. Her nugget is simple and perfect. Just believe in yourself. All right, everyone, I'm doing it. I'm believing in me. The next thing's going to happen, and I believe it will because I believe in me. I want you to say it right now. I believe in me. (laughs) All right, everyone, let's leave it. 
Let's leave it, digest it, and uh, please make sure that you hop over and subscribe to the new podcast, She Runs It, with me and the other Sarah. Think about how confusing this is in my life. I got Sarah VB, and then I have Sarah R. We call her Sarah Zuma. There's a lot of Sarahs going on, but there's a lot of good Sarah energy in the world. Um, So make sure you subscribe to that one and don't give up. Don't stop listening to Run This World. This thing is going to keep cranking. I've got some incredible guests lined up. As always, they're all incredible. I only talk to incredible people. So there you have it. So uh, hopefully one of these days, maybe it'll be you, listener. Send me a note. Tell me why you should be on my show. And if you do have a moment, please go over to iTunes and leave a review It helps a ton in all the ways. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time for me to go skiing. Apparently, it's a powder day. I'm going to experience that for the first time. But for you, it's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.